This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. Chris, we're back in the Spider-Foes today, and I am very excited. How are you doing today? I'm just happy to be here, Jesse. It's getting cold. I'm in the lab. I'm brewing up some new new team stuff, you know? Not ready to talk about it yet. Okay. I don't want to give anybody ideas. Just in the lab, like a spider foes mentor to Peter Parker. I'm brewing. Yeah, exactly. Doing some X-Men brewing. I'm excited. I've been doing a lot of brewing too, as you can imagine, because we have all the rules docs now, which it's just this crazy thing. I'm still very excited about it. And Chris, all my teams that I played early on that I've played the most games of, of any team, let's be honest, is the Guardians. They're back. They're They're new. They're different. Hulk's back. He's new. He's different. Would you say that they're all new, all different, Jesse? That's right. I think you. I think you need to keep that phrasing on brand, bud. Corporate synergy. I was setting you up for a layup, and you did get it. This is the perfect time for us to announce that uh, we've been bought by Disney. No, I. I don't know if we could work for them. Uh, anyway. No, the dream, Chris, is us doing this professionally one day, and I think we're moving towards that with every episode because the listeners are still here, which is very exciting, and we're back to our normal format today, which is a cool thing because we've had so many news segments. and Cool things. character, too. And that, of course, is one of the iconic foils to Peter Parker in the Spider-Man universe. That's Craven the Hunter. It's going to be a fun one, Chris. It's going to be a different one today. And he's also different in MCP and... Rightfully so. I still have not got to play with him in MCP. I don't even know if I played against him at this point. It wasn't super remarkable. Sure. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to dive in. I'm ready for you to teach me a little bit here in lore on what I can expect when I do see Craven across from me on the table. Because with these new rule changes, I believe I will see more of him. Specifically because of the cards. Oh, yeah. I also think, too, Chris, that he's been a nice piece in my Spider-Foes list in our Fury's Finest Secret War Patron Discord League. Yes, that was a tongue twister. That was That's a long title, man. We're going to have to workshop that one. Somehow I said it, but in the Secret War <laughs> League, 
I have played Craven quite a bit. He is one of my flex threes, and I will give my findings in strategy today. But before we get to lore and before we get to strategy, we have some patrons to thank. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you would like to support this show, check us out there and consider supporting with a monthly contribution. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week we have a very special, very big shout out and thank you to Jeremy T. Thanks, man. Thank you, Jeremy. And of course, Chris, we cannot do this show without the Avengers producers of Fury's Finest. Zack Attack, Rusty, Keith, and Dylan. Thank you, Avengers team. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, Chris, let's just get into Craven the Hunter lore. Craven the Hunter. And Jesse, I know he is a character near and dear to your heart. That's true. He is the world's greatest hunter he is a an extremely troubled man running from yet also trying to catch his past he is an excellent foil in the hands of a good writer and he is one of spider-man's most recognizable yet not one of his most prolific villains he's an interesting guy to start his name's not craven what get out of here i didn't know that it's a very long and difficult to pronounce name first Americanized version, of course, is Sergei Kravinov. Yes. But he likes to use that middle name as well. Well, I'm not trying it. Nikolavich, I believe, is what it is. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's strong. Of course, he was born as a Russian aristocrat as well. Pretty cool. Which is interesting. His family, basically, they fled the country in the February Revolution that ended the reign of Tsar Nicholas II. So we've got some interesting history here with this character. But we also have, Jesse, an interesting set of superpowers. Craven Sergei ingests a special potion made from various unnamed jungle herbs. A lot of shrooms. <laughs> Man... I, I love these these vague, mysterious herbal blends used in storytelling. But this mixture, this concoction, it gives Craven superhuman physical abilities. It gives him superhuman strength, though not quite as much as Spider-Man's. He has, to make a long story short here, he's essentially a lion in human form. He kind of has the, the reflexes uh, and you know, strength profile and things like that of a lion, the senses and his sense of smell being the most finely tuned. Though, even before becoming a metahuman, he was already an extraordinary athlete, just legitimately an Olympic level athlete. Of course, like every Marvel character, a gifted tactician. He's a hunter, hand-to-hand combatant, Just very knowledgeable guy. And I mean, think about when he was born, 1917. He's coming up during that, you know, that that period of exploration. Right. Is when he's coming of age. He's in a wealthy family. He's got money to travel the world and follow his whims. A prime era for Russia and Eastern Europe as well. And eventually 
Craven would gain some more powers. I, I don't think we're going to quite go that far in his story today, but eventually Craven will gain a semblance of immortality and almost healing factor. Almost a healing factor. Just, you know, it's interesting. I think the biggest part of his superpowers, Chris, on top of the ones you talked about, his strength and his prowess and all that, of course, is that he's a man approaching 80, but he doesn't look it. Yes, he ages very slowly, thanks to this these special herbs. He has the appearance of a man in his 30s. Probably his most interesting part of his superpowers that, if you don't know, when you hear it, you're like, okay, that's... That's pretty compelling. Things make a little bit more sense too, right? It does make sense why he's so smart and why he's so genuinely mad at times. Well, yeah, and there's there's more to the madness uh, like right. on top of that. But his first appearance is in The Amazing Spider-Man, issue number 15. That came out in August of 1964. He was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Very early Spider-Man. We're seeing a trend with all these villains. It's pretty great, Chris. Well, unlike some of these other earlier Spider-Man characters, Craven does not have a long litany of issues he's appeared in and stories he's been in. He was not a huge villain, really. But before we go any farther, guys, I do want to say that we're about to get into Craven's history, and I am going to give a trigger warning on this lore segment there there is going to be uh, suicide uh, discussed and happening in this story so like like we've covered born into russian nobility but his family of course fled to the united states and his parents didn't necessarily last too long uh when they fled chris because there was the february revolution going on and of course the collapse of the whole Russian hierarchy at the time. That's why I said a, a golden era of Eastern Europe until I, up to a point. That was the, and they were holding on to that point. It's cool how it ties into history, actually. Definitely a golden era for the Russian nobility, for Correct. sure. Correct. Uh, this is the era of Fabergé eggs. This oh, is yeah. the era of of the Trans-Siberian Railroad and just a lot of, a lot of big things for the aristocracy of Russia. Of course, his Parents died shortly after the trip, and Craven was kind of taken in and trained by a mysterious man named Gregor. And at one point, this is I, I think this is super interesting, and this is also who gives him the um his herbal potion mix, tonic, whatever. But he is the love interest of voodoo priestess Calypso, an interesting character in marvel lore from time to time but that is also where he got his powers yeah chris and this is of course is when craven kind of falls into his singular devotion which is being the greatest big game hunter of the world and he starts channeling this one purpose this is even pre-spider-man obviously it accelerates with spider-man but i find the way he hunts his prey very interesting. Before we get into that, I want to touch on his motivation here. He is the son of fallen aristocracy. He desperately wants to gain that that fame, that nobility, that recognition. He wants that. He wants that status. That is this original driving force to become the greatest 
big game hunter the world has ever seen. And he does a pretty good job of it. So he's got his little group of hunters. He's he's excellent. And there's something that he does that makes him talked about as the greatest hunter in the world. And Jesse, I think this might be what you were getting at. Yes. Do you want to smarten the listeners up here? It really lays the stage for Craven and sort of his brilliance and madness simultaneous. So he doesn't use long range weapons, Chris, at all. In fact, he disdains them. No honor. In particular, the weapons of all big game hunters. So rifles and archery weapons, that's bow and arrows and crossbows. He, in fact, hates these weapons and hunts these large, large animals, some of the largest in the world, with his bare hands. Just let that sink in. He wants a fair fight. Yeah. It's almost going back to that primal element, as you mentioned, Chris, of him being a man that's kind of becoming a lion, even though he's not transforming. And he he's depicted a, a lot of the in a lot of these comics as kind of walking on all fours, uh, similar to Spider Man, but not quite the same. Not quite as limber. He's more of a top heavy, uh, muscular frame. So. Craven will finally kind of make his appearance in the Marvel universe. This is this is going into ASM 15. His half brother, who happens to be a supervillain known as the Chameleon, has contacted Craven and he wants Craven to take out the pesky Spider-Man. Craven agrees because taking out Spider-Man would absolutely cement him as the greatest hunter of all time. Well, naturally, he is unsuccessful, and thus begins Craven's mostly antagonistic relationship with Spider-Man. Uh, he's not used much outside of the Spider canon. There's a couple of appearances here and there, and he also really there's not a whole lot to talk about going on. He just he's around. Singular focus. He's a founding member of the Sinister Six. The only reason he joined is because it's Spider-Man they're trying to take out. But not necessarily a, a really landmark character or too notable. His character design, of course, is awesome. And I, I think the character concept is very interesting. But something happens. Some creative teams shuffle around. The comic world starts to get a little bit darker. And we get this story. And ladies and gentlemen, this is kind of what we're going to focus on here. Me and Jesse are just going to kind of discuss this for, for a few minutes. But I am discussing, of course, Fearful Symmetry, Craven's Last Hunt. So Chris, to set the stage for this story, I think it's very important. So he hunted Spider-Man that first time, unsuccessful, like you mentioned. This made him more focused on hunting, defeating, winning the trophy of killing Spider-Man. And he continually does it over and over again. Like you said, he joins the Sinister Six just to reach his singular goal. And every time Spider-Man outsmarts him or beats him in combat and escapes, Craven's obsession grows. And his singular thought of, if I can only kill Spider-Man, I truly will be the greatest big game hunter. Because essentially, every time Spider-Man beats him or escapes from him, it actually increases craven's determination and madness and that kind of sets the stage for this story he truly goes mad and this this story it's very interesting for a spider-man story and despite this six issue story being considered one of the pan ultimate spider-man stories it's not your normal spider-man we're not getting a very wise cracking spider-man 
we're not getting your friendly neighborhood here. This is confronting some heavy, heavy, heavy things. So, and in no uncertain terms, this story, Craven's Last Hunt, is a horror story. Which is a theme we talked about happen a lot in these Spider-Foes stories, which we're going to see more of. It's kind of a through line with a lot of these uh, Spider-Foes, but Craven gets his wish. And if you're going to read it, which I really, really would want you, I want you all to read these six Mm -hmm. issues. It's the only thing I'm recommending to read this week. Right. And I'll give you the exact issues because it, it spans three titles, but at the end of the segment, but the story is so extraordinary for the time. It comes out in October of 1987 and it's, titled Craven's Last Hunt. And it's clear, Craven's going to come and he's going to hunt Spider-Man like he always does, but it's a little different this time. He is, in fact, using long-range weapons. He has gone so mad that his own moral code is cracking, tormented mentally by himself over Spider-Man. This torment all all takes shape, a focal point to him in Spider-Man. So in the first issue, Craven, he hits Spider-Man with his rifle. (laughs) As far as you know, Spider-Man is dead and buried by issue two, and that is why they spanned this this story through three different books. Every book, all of Spider-Man's titles at the time, all three being monthly, to make it feel like Spider-Man, like Peter, was really dead and gone, this story spanned all three titles uh, over these three months. And what happens here is to prove without a shadow of a doubt that he is superior to Spider-Man. Craven adopts the mantle of Spider-Man. He dons the black suit. Now, mind you, it's not the symbiote suit. It is just the post-symbiote, pre-Venom black suit. Right. And he becomes Spider-Man. So we now have Peter, presumed dead, buried. Craven literally buried him in a coffin and everything. We get perspective from Mary Jane on where is my recent husband, what is going on, and you get Peter, who is confronting this possibility of death, being buried alive, for you see he's only in a coma, he's been hit with a tranquilizer dart. He's confronting all of these in very, very heavy and deep symbolic like dreams, fever dreams, almost. Meanwhile, Craven is confronting just everything (laughs) like craven (laughs) i guess the best way to put this is you see three marvel characters all whose lives are all intertwined even though craven and mary jane don't even know each other but they all three are experiencing a dark night of the soul individually alone yet together and it's it's a horrific mind-bending you know kind of thriller of of a six issue run and it ends with Craven defeating one of Spider-Man's old villains that it it took Captain America. It took Spidey and Captain America to take this kind of, you know, C-list, D-list villain down. But Craven has decided that once he defeats the vermin, he will prove superior to Spider-Man. And, you know, he does. As Spider-Man. He's impersonating Spider-Man still. As Spider-Man, yes. The the art is incredible. You can definitely tell the differences between Craven and Spider-Man, though they're in the same suit. Mm. Like very hard to do with the technology at the time with the printing technology at the time. Late 80s, uh, yeah. It's just it's very, very interesting. It's very cool. 
it's very good. But at the end of this this whole thing, Craven will release the vermin to force Spider-Man to go because he knows Spider-Man's going to make the choice for the greater good. To, for Spider-Man to go try to subdue him or, you know, keep him from killing any innocents, basically. And Craven will take this moment alone to write a note confessing to all his crimes and then realizing that he is the ultimate hunter being tired, you know, at at a very old age at this yeah, point. Upper 80s, yeah. Yeah. He's decided life has nothing more to offer and he takes his own life at the end of this story and the the creators got into a little bit of of heat uh about that saying you know that it that seemed like it was a little bit glorifying suicide which they, of course they vehemently denied but just know that going in if you do, do decide to read it but excellent 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 six issue story very immersive and it kind of leads to this whole i mean we see this pattern repeat itself with like doc ock you can go back to that doc right. ock episode where i just gush about superior spider-man this is the original superior spider-man and it makes you wonder if we're going to get a story with the some of the other some of the other spider foes trying to become spider-man in the future is this going to be mm. kind of a 20-year trend i don't know i think it would be cool well and obviously with craven's story the the shocking and profound ending is it's him taking his own life by suicide because he did have this soul fixation and he kind of achieved it. And it's just not a normal way for Marvel villains to go out, Chris. It's, it's very jarring, but I say jarring in the way of it fits the character, even though, you know, it does like suicides, never the answer. It's something we state out loud on the show, but it's like, yes, this character, they took a dark path because he was always dark and he was always singular focused and fixated. You can juxtapose this, Chris, with our last spider Foes episode, the Lizard episode, with the fact that like some of this is a through line with Spider-Villain characters. A lot of them do go mad, and, and they examine the more tragic parts of their story in a real way, and I, I really do like that. They're not singular-focused, super evil Red Skull-type guys. They're actually like some of them brilliant human beings that just something bad happens to them and very they go damaged mad. yeah yeah and craven's story is no different from the great spider foe villains and in fact this story has kind of kept craven around in a weird way it's one of those things like it, the story is so notable and the character is so well designed like all the spider villains are right <laughs> that craven can never leave basically the pop culture eye, even though he is a further downstream Spider-Man character in the normal populist idea of them. In the relative importance of Spider-Man stories, Craven is very relevant for this particular story. But right. other than that, he's bounced in and out of relevance, but he's not a big, big, big villain. I mean, founding Sinister Six member is pretty cool. That's yeah. something to hang your hat on. True. But he doesn't show up. He's not going to be an enemy of the Avengers. You're not going to see him popping up with, well, now you might, things have been changed a little bit as the character's been modernized and things. and Resurrections and things. Yeah, he was resurrected and gone, and he's done some really weird stuff. Uh, the family aspect of it is very interesting. Uh, he is a just singularly focused, kind of a, strongest survive only the strong survive type type of character which we've seen with thanos is just oftentimes a very <laughs> compelling villain that's true and it's something i do like about craven 
Chris in comparison to some of the other Spider-Man villains, which, you know, there, there's, of course, always outliers like Craven. You know, he's actually not one of those scientists in Peter's inner circle that something horrific happens to and then things change over time. He's he's actually completely exotic and different and from a different place and comes into the Spider-Man narrative in a really organic way. And I like that. I mean, that's pretty interesting. And you see these trends go forward with characters like Cletus Cassidy, where it's like, okay, we're not dealing with Doc Ock or Green Goblin anymore. They're going completely interesting, but also aggressive direction. And I think Craven kind of paved the way for some of these other spider villains we're going to see in the future, because Chris, it's so interesting. You and I talked about this off mic. We've talked about in this episode, Spider-Man takes a lot of risks with its villains and goes a lot of dark places that other narratives in Marvel don't. And that's compelling to me. Well, and I do want to touch on that. I think that's something that's very brilliant about this story, the way it was written and what made it kind of a, just the Spider-Man story uh, is that as dark as this gets, and it gets dark, it gets very dark. Peter never loses hope. Peter always, stays bright peter always stays a a shining light and that's kind of what's different to this and the other kind of super edgy dark stories that were going on at this time you you think killing joke you think dark knight right you know these are these are stories all the virgo stuff and image stuff that's taken off at this time exactly and those stories are the reason we got Craven's Last Hunt, and I'm very thankful, and I love those stories. I love those books, but I think what's special about Craven's Last Hunt is the hero doesn't ever lose hope. And this is why Spider-Man is a lot of people's favorite superhero. Right. He's the every person who always tries to do the right thing, but makes mistakes, not overpowered in his superpowers, and then always is a positive, hopeful person in the darkest of times. And I think this juxtaposition is so powerful, Chris, of these really dark characters, you know, topics like suicide and murder and homicide. Like these are things that happen in Spider-Man a lot that do not happen in other Marvel stories. And I think it works because of Peter's optimism and balance and the fact that he started out as a kid and he really never gets that old. He does get old one day, but it's one of those things like we, we grew up with him as readers. And that's paramount as well, I feel like, to keeping the positivity. But, you know, we bring this up because we brought this up in our Midnight Suns and Horror of Marvel episode recently. We're going to bring it up again because we're going through all these spider villain episodes over the coming weeks and months. There's a lot of dark themes here, Chris. And Craven's just one of many. But uh, it leads to some excellent moments and some wonderful storytelling. It's true. It's, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's dark. It's, it's tough, but it's also really great example of how powerful the comic book medium can be. So Chris, moving on to appearances in the MCU, Craven has none right now. And I hope that changes in the future. Oh, me too. He's also not been in any of the live action shows. Of course, he's been in some of the cartoons over the years. That's it though. So I think they could really nail the casting on this if, if they did. This character would just be so compelling to the audience. And that's what they need to focus on with a character like Craven is the casting. It's very, very important. Because like you said, Chris, he's not like a lot of the other spider villains. He doesn't have tech or a transformation of some sort. He is just a very physically fit man in his 80s who happens to be looking like he's in his 30s. And he is just consumed with this idea of being the greatest 
hunter in the entire world and the person who brings down Spider-Man. And like you said, he's very muscular, he's very athletic, and he's very animalistic. So casting will be very, very difficult. But if they could pull it off in the MCU one day, I'm all for it. We do know that Craven is the star centerpiece of the next Spider-Man PlayStation game, which is great. And the whole story is built around Venom, Miles, and Peter all fighting Craven together, which I mean, what a, what a setup. <laughs> that's fun. And apparently Craven's outsmarting all three of them. So that's neat. He is brilliant. Time will tell, but I'm really looking forward to if that happens to the MCU. But what what's your comic recommendation this week, Chris? We know what your comic recommendation is this week, but let's have those issues, as you mentioned. Right. So Craven's Last Hunt unfolds in six issues throughout three different titles. It will be Web of Spider-Man, number 31 and 32, The Amazing Spider-Man, number 293 and 294, and Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, numbers 131 and 132. Just to to let you guys know, Craven, after this story, Craven was not in modern Marvel, Marvel comics until, again, until 2009. We saw him on the cartoons and things like that, but this this was one of those very long, semi-permanent deaths. That's a long time in comics. Over 20 years. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's a, a long, long time. time. Wow. Yeah. What a compelling lore, Chris, and what a compelling character. And he is no different in Marvel Christ Protocol. And I think it's time for us to get over to strategy. His name is Craven the Hunter. His alter ego is... Sergei Nikolaevich Kravinov. On his healthy side, he has a stamina of five, a move of medium on a small base, a height of two, and a threat cost of three. His defenses are three physical, three energy, and three mystic. And Chris, on his injured side, he also has a stamina of five, putting him at a three threat baseline of 10 stamina and threes across the board for his defenses. Any thoughts so far? Seems standard. Nothing exciting, actually, at all. Let's move into his attacks, though. His first attack is Kukuri Strike. It's a range two, strength of five, zero power cost attack. After this attack is resolved, Craven gains one power. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed special condition. Just you gain auto bleed. And then there's a wild trigger, elusive. After this attack is resolved, Craven may advance short. Good strike. That's a pretty good strike. Oh, auto bleed. I don't even care that it's only two, like <laughs> range two. That's just five dice, auto bleed. I hope to roll that wild. But so that's my big question with him is that wild on that strike is it's based on the wild. The short move is. So mm-hmm. how do you plan for that? I don't know how you plan for it, but <sighs> one wild on five dice isn't that statistically out It's of not control. uncommon. Yeah. But. Maybe you don't plan on it, but if you get it, you're very excited because then you're kind of netting free movement out of a strike. I mean, because you're a five dice strike is good, Chris. It being physical, we know is not great because it's getting more and more represented in the game. But for a three threat character, this is good. I mean, you look at this and you say, okay, he has like the same type of strike as Zemo, a little bit different. That's cool. That's different. He gets complicated real quick, Chris. Okay, let's let's try. All, all right, uh, let's get into the complicated here. His next attack is a physical attack. It is Spear Thrust. It is range three, attack dice of four, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. That's good. Mm-hmm. 
If this character has already attacked the target character during its activation this turn with a Kukuri strike, add three dice to this attack roll. Yep. Oh my, now we're talking. If this character has advanced or been placed during its activation this turn, after this attack is resolved, it may advance medium. There's a lot going on here. There's so much going on, and I feel like it is predicated on hitting that elusive on the Kakuri strike. It is, or just moving before this, or placing. Yeah. So... It's pretty neat. Now, I kept calling the first attack a strike. It's technically not a strike, even though it's strike is in the name. The Kakuri strike, you gain one power. That's it. The spear thrust, you gain power equal to damage dealt. So it gets really complex real quick. Well, and if you're throwing seven dice, that could be pretty nice. Right. So you want to get these off in the correct order, but he obviously has a certain play style that you've got to do it right. Now, you mentioned, Chris, if you get that wild, things go well for you. You are right, because it says you could Kukuri Strike, get the wild, move short, and then you could Spear Thrust. Now, of course, your Spear Thrust is going from four to seven, because you already Kukuri Strike in the turn. But also, you've been advanced or placed this turn. So after the Spear Thrust is fully done, he gets to advance away or further up medium. This is really getting into the narrative of the character. He's only using melee weapons, and he's Stick moving all over the place. He's doing a a hit and run with his attacks, really, like he's hunting his yep. prey, and then he's getting in position again to hunt them again. It is very complex. Now, the way I've been describing how to think about Craven to people that are trying to wrap their heads around him, he's kind of like an interesting middle grounds in mix of Baron Zemo and Ghost Spider, Gwen Stacy. Interesting. And Ghost Spider, she gets a lot of benefits off of her strike, where it's like, have you struck this turn? Then strike again with more dice. Or have you moved this turn? You get to move after your strike. He's got a lot of that mindset too. If you're playing Gwen, you're always thinking in that pattern of like, what did I last do? What's the combo next? Which way am I going to do? Craven's similar and Zemo's no different. Zemo gives bleeds. Zemo likes to come in, charge, hit people. Craven doesn't have charge. So Zemo's a little bit more easy to play. But Craven does have charges built in because you're getting these short moves and medium moves if you do things right. But it is very tough. It is very tough. And he's only physical. So we got to talk about his superpowers, though. They're pretty cool. They're really cool. His first superpower is an active superpower. It is Corner the Beast. It's going to cost you two power. Choose an enemy character within three of Craven Until the end of the enemy character's next activation, each time the chosen character advances or climbs, it suffers one damage if the chosen character has the wall crawler superpower it loses the wall crawler superpower until the end of its next next activation oh man super super cool so craven has his own version of bleed on top of the bleeds that his blades give that you can't shake that's the way you gotta look at this he is bleeding you out quite literally and if you have you have bleeds on top of yourself it's rough because if you're if you've got the corner of the beast token on you, you move, you take a craven bleed, I say in quotes, and then at the end of your activation, you take a bleed if he got you earlier in the game with the bleed from his Kukuri strike. So this is super cool, Chris. This is a way to really there's no winning with this as a player because you either sit still, right, he comes to you and KOs you or someone on his team does, or you move and take auto damage. That's the point of this. He wants you to move and take auto damage like you were playing normally, 
or he wants you to to be frozen and stay put and then, you know, not use your action economy. So it's neat. It's two, which is not too bad because it turns out with an auto gain power on your range two and then a spear thrust of four dice that goes up to seven, that's a f- pure strike. I mean, you can you can easily build power with Craven if you're playing him right. That's what I've come to find. But we got to move on because his next superpower is one of my favorites, if not my favorite on him. It's an active superpower called Expert Tracker. Choose an enemy character. This is globally, Chris. There's no range restriction. Choose an enemy Love character it. on the map. Allied characters roll one additional attack dice when targeting the chosen character with attacks this entire round. So spider foes love this. That's so cool. <laughs> the spider foes biggest issue, Chris, is they have low attack dice pools on their builders. This gets around that a little bit, which is really nice. And they have really cool wild triggers. So this gets around that too, because it gives them higher chance to hit their wild triggers. But more importantly, this helps them as a team attrition and defeat enemy models. This is Lockjaw's Bloodhound, but also on Craven. You know what that means? That means you can take Lockjaw and Craven and team and double track Gross. somebody. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> double track somebody. And then, you know, for some reason, Carnage is attacking people with seven dice with his weakest attack or something. So it's really neat. I think you do this every chance you can, you can, because I mean, Chris Craven only has power yeah. to do two things. One of them's global and one is restricted by range three for him to do his bleed corner of the beast. So you're going to do the global as much as you can keep his power low because he can't do anything with his power outside of these two abilities. Right. There's no, there's no spending attack. There's no spender attack. It helps your mental fatigue with the whole Craven combo game I'm talking about. Yeah. You don't have to make that that decision. Just spin the power on tracker, spin the power in corner of the beast, make your team happy and make Craven himself happy with his singular target. And it's super neat, man. I, I I'm, I'm a huge fan of this character and these two superpowers, but he has one more superpower, which will tie into my earlier comment that he's like a mix of Baron Zemo and Gwen Stacy. And that is an innate superpower called Elixir of Calypso. This, of course, is Craven's nice concoction of shrooms. This character may reroll one die in its attack or defense rolls. So that's our Baron Zemo right there. That makes these three, three, threes and five and five on his healthy and injured sides much more impactful chris the rerolls are big spear thrust gets scary with right. the seven dice yes that's it like 7.5 or eight dice right with a reroll it's gross on a three threat right so we're seeing a trend with this character he's a three threat has average defenses average health but he hits harder than most three threats if you're playing him right and doing his kind of hunting combo that he wants to do. And he gives your team a little bit of support with Expert Tracker. I love that. And he is a weird and unique tech against spider people. He takes away the right. wall crawler. I mean, it's huge. If you're playing a Web Warrior player and you're a Spider Foes player or just a player with a Craven, he's a good fit, Chris. Oh, always. And I mean, really, anybody that's got a wall crawler objective runner, it's great. It is great. I'm a big fan. Now, I'll tell you the way Craven has played for me before we get into his tactics card. You know, he's that guy you send on your flank, and he does his job well, Chris. He can probably win his 1v1 against someone of an equal threat or lower threat, or even potentially higher threat if you play him right. And then mid to late game, after he's defeated his opponent and won that side objective, he comes 
to the main fight and supports what he can. But if he's stuck on that side objective all game, that's okay because he's winning you the points. And hopefully he's putting out tracker tokens all game for the team globally. So it's kind of like he is dueling with someone over there, which is very thematic of Craven, but he's also like tracking someone else for the major team. And I find that really cool that he's got like a tiny bit of support in this pure damage kit. Well, I love the idea of having kind of some more offensive support, just helping your team get more dice off against a character. It's just, it's very nice. It's a really good way to practice just kind of targeting a character and wiping them off the board. Yeah, focus fire. Systematically focus firing whoever your enemy presents to you. But And I will talk about Craven, Chris. Like You just have to play him to learn these combos like I've talked about because he's at his best when he's doing hit-run tactics and when he's mobile. I say sit on a point and win you a side point. Yes, he wants to do that, but he doesn't want to sit there all game. He wants to be constantly in motion, be in that area, get some cover, come back in the fight, hit them, then get behind a car, you know, like he can do things with all these free short and medium movements. And you need to take advantage of that really, because his biggest strength is his agility and his damage. Everything else he's actually lackluster in when it comes to defense and things. So he's not, he's not like, you don't treat him like a cage or something and sitting him on a side point. Completely the opposite. If he, if he stays mobile, he's good. Well, with so many movement abilities too it's just it would be ridiculous to not keep him moving yeah and maybe that's you know another place is he's worked for me is he's kind of been on a side point and as the game progressed he kind of worked his way to an opponent's back side point because he can easily do that that's exactly what's been in my mind and also trying to maybe run down some of those objective runners absolutely and you know i feel like corner of the beast is is excellent for that. Yeah. Like someone like Widow or Toad is not a fan exactly. of that. They're not a fan of that because they're low health models anyways, right? And they love to run away with objectives. So you can help catch them. Also, I've had a lot of success with him. Once you get to that back opponent's point as him, you can still, the rest of the game, advance medium, do a spear thrust, advance back medium. That's a perfectly fine mm. way to play him. He's pretty good at just striking and then scoring points. You know, even if it's his lower dice pull, like he's okay with it because he's still like winning you a back point. And he he can do that as a three threat. Obviously, there's a lot of fun things you can do with Lockjaw with him, with Killmonger with him. These are things I've thought about. I've called it the hunting party. Get the hunting party together. Oh, no. Get that usurp the throne out with Killmonger, right? Target that high threat model. Mark him with Lockjaw. Mark him with Craven. Take him down. Get the extra victory points. Killmonger gets all these extra, extra dice because they're the usurp target. They're Lockjaw marked. They're Craven marked. Killmonger goes to town. Probably wins you the game like he normally does when he gets his card off. He's he's really good. <laughs> he is really good. People forget he exists. Yes. And, you know, it is 10 points to run the hunting party, but I'm throwing it out there in the universe. I want more people to play it and try it. It's something I'm starting soon now that my Lockjaw will be finely painted. Watch out. But it's just fun. You know, Craven's one of those models. I don't think you take him every time in the spider foes, but when you take him, you have a plan. And that's what's fun. He's not an all-rounder like a lizard or Doc Ock. He's more of a a niche three. They're kind of more the all-rounders, and he's kind of the three that you have a plan with. And that's okay. And same with Mysterio, which we'll get in very shortly. So I think it's kind of neat the spider foes have these options. That leads me to affiliations, Chris. He's good in spider foes. He likes to re-roll the opponent's defense dice and guarantee he gets that damage through. Yeah, well, and he just fits as a uh, as just a, a counter pick 
to yes. high movement teams. So there's a great reason to consider him in your turn in your bag of ten. You know, in a lot of different places. Absolutely. Another thing you got to think about is that he fits in a lot of the places Gwen fits really well. So Gwen likes being placed, so she gets all of her benefits from being placed or advanced. Craven's the same way. Gwen also likes to do damage and keep dealing more damage and getting more power. So two standout places for Craven and Gwen with that thinking. First of all is Cabal, because we're dealing damage and we're getting more power back and doing more things with the damage we're dealing and creating more damage over time. But a spicy and exciting place I've been putting Craven in recently, Chris, in my list building that I do in my free time, there's a team that places people with Bump in the Night. So Craven can bump, right? If Craven has been advanced or placed during his activation, he can advance medium. It's so crazy. So like you can bump him, get that free movement off of the spear thrust after you do a spear thrust, and then you could like go into another spear thrust or a Kokori strike. And there's all these procs. And then on top of that, he's giving his own version of bleed, which we talked about how good bleed is in general, but then he's giving out actual bleeds from his Kukuri strike and just feeding blade all the health in the game, all the health and power in the game, because you're going to take blade because you have to, he's your leader. You have to. And how cool is it that you have a team that gives out a lot of bleed and you benefit from a lot of bleeds. And then you have a character that gives his own version of bleed that's can't be shaken. And Blade's just drinking it all. So I'm I'm very into that idea. I think right now his two teams are Spider Foes and Midnight Suns. I just, you know, Midnight Suns are so new. We haven't cracked it yet. You know, we haven't cracked it, but they don't mind another three. Oh, nobody minds another three. That's right. And this is why Craven's good everywhere. I mean, we say it every time, Chris, just go ahead and say it. He has two superpowers that are fairly costly. <laughs> Uh, well, Jesse, I was thinking, I, I don't think anyone's thought of this before, but he might be pretty okay in Avengers. That's right. Expert tracker for two. I mean, he can essentially almost do it every turn, right? If he's, as long as he's striking one time with Kukuri, because he guarantees one power, or he gets a spear thrust that gets him one power, right? He will have two power for the turn. He can expert track, give all the Avengers a target that turn. It, it actually makes a lot of sense. It's funny. Now, that he fits all sorts of places, Chris. Like, I actually don't think he's that crazy of a pick for Web Warriors because he's a three threat. No. And he likes more defensive rerolls because he's weak defensively. So it kind right. of shores up his only weakness is his low health and his low defenses. But you could go all sorts of different directions with him. What's tough about him is he doesn't have a spender and he doesn't have a ton of superpowers, even though his superpowers do cost three and two respectively. So they do cost enough, but you can't just like. Once you pay that five, you're done. You can't stack them. You can't do it more. You know, you like, so the most power he can ever have is just five period, right? And around. So think about that too. You can expert tracker twice, potentially, if you kill the target, right? Like, let's say you start off Craven's turn, you expert track someone that Craven's nearby. He double taps them with attacks. He KOs them. And then before his turn's over, he can expert track another target on the board. That's potential, but unlikely. Pretty unlikely, but how bad would that feel to be the player that's that, that's done against? <laughs> yeah, you're just like, I just lost one of my crucial characters, and I'm potentially about to lose another one because they get all these activations. Yeah. Because something we haven't talked about, Chris, what's so good about Expert Tracker is I hinted at it with the Spider-Foes thing, but it turns everybody's builders online too. Like at, mm-hmm. at worst, it potentially gives you more power for all your characters that can attack that enemy this turn. So on those like E-shaped maps or C-shapes where everyone's pretty close, it's very viable. It's very strong. Now, I think you can just play Craven where you want. He'd probably be really fun and sends Cabal, Red Skull's Cabal. These are things where he really works. 
so Chris, I haven't talked about the team yet, but it's actually relevant this time. We always talk about characters that are good in this team, which is a lot of characters in the game, let's be fair, because it's such powerful leadership. But Craven is actually affiliated with the criminal syndicate. He's a pretty good criminal syndicate, because if you play that style I was talking about earlier, get on a back point of your opponent, move medium, attack, get a free move medium back. It's only four dice, but you're still holding a point all game, and you're being really mobile, and you're getting action economy. He's a good criminal. I mean, he actually is. He's pretty easy to tick over to the injured side, though. That's the problem. Play him cagey early game. He could be great early game if if the dice rolls go well. I, I'm a little more skeptical on it than, than you, though. But you're better at this game than I am, so I'm going to go with you on it. Well, my only counterpoint to that is the criminals continue to get more low-cost models. And I, I'm sure someone will crack the code on this, but I'm sure there's a wider criminal list coming soon. And they just don't oh, yeah. care about models flipping to injured sides because... They already made you work so hard to get there that they had threes and twos. I'm looking at you, Bullseye. You're now a two. That's a huge change for the criminals. Isn't that wild? It's so yeah, wild. That's crazy. But I like you can start going like Kingpin, a bunch of threes, Bullseye, and you've just got a different type of criminal list we're talking about here. And maybe that's the list where Craven fits. But, you know, they do like attrition when they need it, Chris. And I think he helps them with that. You know, they don't mind having that tracker token out there. But I think the most fun no, place for all. him right now is the Midnight Suns. That's that's where I'm standing my ground because I, th- I think it's a cool idea. Place him to get all those procs. Any character that gives an auto bleed has to be considered for the Midnight Suns at this point. Yeah. Just because that's too strong with Blade. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense to be seeing him uh, experimented with there at the moment. We'll see how the Midnight Suns shake out in the coming months. Yeah. Jesse, before we move on, there's one more thing we have to talk about. Oh, I know. We are definitely saving the best for last. This card, man, it is so wild. I do not think it is viable competitively at all, but Craven's one tactics card. But it might be the best card in the game. Yeah, we've we've talked about it on the pod before, but er, this directly comes from uh, our comic book recommendation and the story we took uh, a lot of time on today. And this card is Fearful Symmetry. It is unaffiliated. It is reactive. When Craven the Hunter KOs an enemy Peter Parker, if there is no Peter Parker in your squad, Craven the Hunter may play this card. So you can't have Peter Parker in your 10 at all to play this. At all. Craven the Hunter transforms into Spider Man, Peter Parker. Replace Craven the Hunter stat card with Spider Man's stat card with its healthy side up. Move all damage tokens, power, special conditions, objective tokens, and effects from Craven the Hunter to Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Peter Parker, is now part of your squad. So, <laughs> this is Craven eliminating Peter and taking over the Spider-Man mantle to prove that he is superior. And it's got its own tactics card in the game. Wow. And it is extremely cool. It is the only taxes cards we have like this. But I, for one, am ecstatic at the idea of more cards this specific. It's incredibly specific. It will be probably forever the ultimate kitchen table card. Oh, for sure. Because if I'm playing a Spider-Foes roster, which I do have Craven in as we speak, and I'm playing an opponent with Web Warriors, and now I have 10 cards, Chris, to choose from. I'm going to really try to make this my 10th just just for the web warrior players out there. Absolutely. And it's just too cool. Like Craven turning into Corset for threat Peter Parker is just interesting enough. They're completely different characters. 
the Peter Parker, the course head is much more defensible. He's much more control. But what's cool is Craven can get this off of any Peter Parker kill. So he can get this off of ASM Peter Parker or Corset Peter Parker or even future Peter Parkers. I think that is the very, very big upside of this card is that I think there will undoubtedly be more Peter Parkers in this game. And that might lead to a Peter Parker dominated meta. Well, <laughs> Craven. It's your time to shine. Right. And it's just so hard to pull this off because like Craven has to deal oh, with the I killing. Oh, I know. I just want it. I'm trying to I'm trying to talk some poor person into trying this too often. Uh, I'm gonna try this too often for sure, Chris. But Craven has to do the killing blow. That's what's tough about it. It's kinda like placing a bounty on someone in Star Wars Legion. Like the bounty hunter has to get the kill to get the extra victory points. I get it. Like you winning more, it's good. And him turning into a healthy Peter Parker is just like that's super that's cool. wild like, that's a that's a huge game state change it's not even so much about him becoming a more defensible character it's just the full heel of the whole situation it's, it's a quasi age of ultron card in a way and that's really neat but man if you can pull this off you bring out a black suit painted spider-man on the table you know yeah it's got that new sculpt of spider-man doc ock perfect time to paint that black suit yes sir and then you're just you're playing spider foes but one of the members is spider-man and the black suit that's actually craven i mean the theme is there the art on this card is there by the way we have spider-man's grave well he's in the wrong suit oh yeah chris wants that black suit i do but it's just incredible it's probably the least competitively viable card we've talked about on the podcast but the best card in the game design wise i think <laughs> definitely one of the funnest it's why we play the game at home for sure it's one of those cards like that and you know if craven can if a three threat craven can kill a four or five threat peter parker i think you've earned this card you know that's pretty cool i agree and chris like you said who knows if we get more spider-mans in the future this could be a fun 10th card in your list oh yeah i hope we see that day until then it's just for fun and the theme is right and i hope we get more cards like this chris because we've been seeing stuff like this in the game with like arch nemesis like green goblin shreds peter parker because he has the arch nemesis against him but there's also the downside green goblin has to spend his first action attacking peter parker so i just love these little snippets of lore they're spreading throughout the game that are even deeper than the normal lore we get just off of reading every character card which is lored up honestly so i'm very excited you can tell that atomic mass really cares about this ip absolutely and apparently this is a full will shit card you know and he's the of course he's the big lore man he's he's the super fan and uh he brings this sort of information to pagani and says make this into a card <laughs> make it work in the game make the fans and myself happy and you know we just love him for that and i cannot wait for more cards like this in the future chris because like you said and like i've said recently on a lot of shows this is certainly the year of more name tactics cards and less generic cards and that's actually something atomic mass said they said they don't want to put more generic cards in the game that are generically good they want to start putting generic cards that have a specific purpose in the game and they want to put a lot more named tactics cards in the game so when you bring that wolverine you don't mind paying that tax of three healing factor cards you know <laughs> i know just lean I into know. it it's quite a tax but man he comes online and you have all those but time will tell how all these changes pan out but i want to see somebody pull off their full symmetry and that's the thing chris about this card i think this community is living to see someone pull this off in a battle report on a stream at a tournament i mean if someone pulls this off it doesn't matter if they win at that point they've already won they've won Marvel they've already Price won protocol yep they've won the game Shut it down, boys. 
Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. That's right, guys. Now we have the bonus episodes of the podcast on top of the normal benefits of joining the Discord and other benefits. So definitely check out the Patreon. Catch our streams of Marvel Christ Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest and follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, or discussions, and then leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out like we talked about every episode since the beginning. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, guys, it really helps us so much. And we appreciate everyone that has uh, you know, grabbed a phone and given us a five-star or a review or anything. You guys are the best. And uh, We'll keep trying to inspire you to keep it up. You can follow me, Jesse, on Twitter, Instagram, and sometimes on that Marvel Christ Protocol Facebook group at Jesse Aiken. That's E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of another iconic Spider-Foes villain. We're going to continue this trend. I'm going through the spider foes because we actually have them all in the game now, Chris. It's a perfect time to clump them together and talk about them and juxtapose them to our hero, Peter Parker. And of course, our heroes in the future of the Spider-Verse. There's so many of them. You know, and these are great villain foils to our great heroes in the Spider-Verse. It's true. It's going to be fun, man. Well, until next time, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 